My name is Summer. And my name is Nicole. And we are financial advisors. This is the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast. We have worked with many widows during our careers. Although we are not widows, we see the need for solid financial education before and after losing a spouse. We do this by telling stories from widows and our own lives. All right, Summer, today we want to talk about prioritizing where you're saving or paying off debt. Um, And this is kind of a messy topic because everybody's situation is a little bit different, but we're going to dive in. Yes. And I think it's important to note that, like Nicole said, each situation is going to be different. We're going to talk a little bit about our own experiences, but just note that your situation may be different and you need to adjust accordingly. But one of the first places I would suggest for most people is putting their money into an emergency fund. This is an account, we have a whole podcast on talking about this, but this is an account that's set aside for unexpected expenses that may come up that you're not planning on. So that doesn't include like groceries or uh, even car maintenance. You can plan on those things. It's more for things that you're, you know, come up. Some people call it like a rainy day fund. But I saw a stat recently that said 40, almost 50% of Americans can't cover a $400 unexpected expense. $400. That's not very much. And then where do people come up with that money then? If you have to, you know, your car broke down or you were in an accident, where do you come up with the $400? Yeah. Usually, you know, line of credit, credit card, something, right? Yeah. Which is getting on a dangerous path if that's what you're using for emergencies. We do not recommend that. Yeah. I feel like emergencies come up several times a year. Like a $400 emergency is not uncommon or unexpected expenses, not uncommon in my life anyway. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, My husband drives a GTI and I don't know if you're familiar with these, Nicole, but they are German made cars and they're special. They take a lot of special parts And so his headlight went out and they went in and they're like, oh, because this is an LED light, this is going to cost $150 to replace. I'm like, it's a light bulb. Like what? (laughs) And maybe that's not that much, but it seemed like a lot to me. I was like, okay. So just little things like that, you know, that I wouldn't really consider that an emergency, but that was an unexpected expense. I was like, wow, that's a little more. And then owning a home is just, the homes are just full of unexpected expenses. We had a shower leak this year and our AC went out. And, oh, our neighbor said that our gutter is, we're kind of like in a town home. Like one of our walls is connected. Our gutter is slowing down her wall. So now we got to figure that out. I don't own a home yet. And I, I look forward to being able to like paint my own walls and stuff. But at the same time, when I hear that you're supposed to put like 1% of the home value in a separate account for expenses like that, I'm like, oh man, that's another thing to worry about. But of course, home ownership has its pluses. Yes, build equity and you pay rent to yourself basically. But yeah, that's a whole nother topic. If should you buy a home or should you rent? Um, but I think the takeaway is life is crazy and you should have an emergency fund. So that should be one of your priorities. Um, and I think that should be first priority before paying off debt actually. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I had a friend who said, well, I never build up an emergency fund cause I'm just constantly paying down my credit card. And we talked through like, well, what goes on your credit card? And it's a lot of these unexpected expenses. And 
so it kind of helps you to, you know, build your emergency fund so you can stop the flow of always using your credit card and then and then get your credit card paid off. And I'd say like maybe you do a minimum emergency fund first, mm-hmm. especially if you have credit cards that are like 15, 20% interest. Yes. Like maybe you get a couple thousand into an emergency fund. Yep. And the amount that you should put in your emergency fund really varies person to person. We'd say usually around three to six months of expenses. It kind of depends on uh, how many incomes you have and kind of what you're comfortable with. But that three months is kind of the minimum, I would say, unless, like Nicole said, you're really trying to pay off debt, then maybe you just try and get as much as you can into that emergency fund. But when I think of our emergency fund, for example, it really has provided a peace of mind, especially for medical expenses. That's something that can be really unexpected. You don't know when you're going to have an ambulance ride or something. And just knowing that we could cover that if it came up is huge. So really important, can save you a lot of money if you can get that money set aside. Yeah. Big priority. Don't just have a checking account that you draw down to zero every month. Have a little buffer and have it in a separate account. So then after emergency fund, I, my recommendation would be if you have high interest debt, you work on that next. High interest debt is usually... Mm, people have different feelings on this, but <laughs> I would say credit cards for sure. Anything over 10% for sure. You know, Get that paid off before... Um, you start really going after other savings goals. Yes. Just because, man, 16, 18% interest on credit cards, that just, it's huge numbers when right. you, if you're not getting that paid down. Yep. And those debt numbers are growing higher than any savings numbers that you're going to be seeing. I don't see a lot of accounts growing at 16 and 20%. I mean, interest, sometimes, yeah. yeah. But those are really going to be eating at your wealth until you pay, take them out. And so big, big, uh, an exciting thing once you do it too. I've never had a big credit card bill like that before, but I've heard all these stories from people who've done programs and things, and it sounds like it's a huge relief. So yeah, burden taken off of you. <laughs> yeah, like big backpack. So that's good to know and understand. It'd be great priority to get that done next. Okay. So high interest debt. And then where would you go next, Summer? Um, Well, I would say, (laughs) this is coming from someone who works in the financial services industry, but I like the 401k next, especially if you're working and you have a 401k with a match. So the match is something that your employer puts in and it's a set percentage usually, kind of depends on who you're working for. Not everyone does a match, but... Often, it's pretty common, especially with newer jobs and younger people, there's a match associated and it'll be like 3% of what you are making they'll put in, which is a huge bonus. And it goes into a retirement account, so you can't touch it right now, but it's in essence getting a raise. That's so awesome. Take advantage of it. So oftentimes too, your employer will say, in order to get the match, you need to put in a set amount percentage. So let's say it's like, if you put in 5% of what you make every month, we'll put in 4% or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's where I would go. What about you though? Oh yeah. No, always the match. The match is like free money. Don't miss out on it. You can't go back and get it later. Um, So yeah, match, do the match. And that's just a good way, like good rule of thumb of like to get started. Because people are way behind usually on retirement savings. And so if you're going to start anywhere, 
do that. At least it's free money. (laughs) Yeah. And I'll say from my personal experience, especially for someone who doesn't have a ton of experience investing and it feels a lot bigger than you, I would just say, as I've watched my 401k grow over the last two years that I've been working, I've been really impressed at how quickly it grows because of the employer match. I know that I'm putting into it every month, but my employer's almost matching what I'm putting in. And so I'm just watching that number get bigger and bigger and it feels really good. I'm like, wow, I'm actually, you know, really building a retirement account and it's building faster than I would have thought because that match really boosts the growth. So, and we just had a down year. So that's saying something because my account, like all the stocks in my account that I own and all the mutual funds, they're down, but my contributions are up. So that feels good. It is nice to see an account growing quickly. So that's a great feeling to have, I will Mm -hmm. say. Yeah. I think this kind of goes into our next topic too of, well, okay, what should you be doing next? I would say next should be it's kind of a toss-up with your personal situation, either your HSA, um, especially if you need the tax savings and if you have medical bills you're expecting, um, but also other debt that may not be high interest, like cars or student loans, um, second mortgage, that kind of stuff. And I think a lot of people would say like, well, I'm not paying off my student loans because I'm working on like some sort of forgiveness plan. Well, definitely make sure you have a plan then for that. Or they'll say, oh, my interest rate's not that high on my car loan, or I'll always have a car loan, or my, I get the mortgage interest deduction, I don't want to pay off my mortgage and the interest is low. Yeah, that can be okay. This is usually what's called um, good debt. <laughs> it's when people see it as more productive debt than like a credit card, and they're not as interested in paying it down. But then some people really want to be relieved of that debt burden, and they really want to get that paid down. So I think this is where your own priorities can come into hand of what's more important to you. But it goes back to that thing of that behavioral where you see your 401k growing, it feels good. And so much about finance is not always the numbers, it's about behaviors. And I think when people only focus on paying down debt, they get stuck in a debt cycle where they just always, um, I'm paying down debt. I always just pay down debt. And they somehow always end up in a cycle of getting more debt to pay down. (laughs) And they're never savers and they need to start developing those saving habits. Yes. So mix of both is usually appropriate, but again, it varies on the situation. Something you can do is you can put extra on your mortgage every month. So you could do that if it's something, a priority to you. But like Nicole mentioned, you also need to consider retirement. Where is that money going to come from? It's got to come from somewhere. And although building equity in your home is great, uh, there's other things you need to be doing too. So add more to your mortgage, student debt, car loans. People really want to get those taken care of. And I can understand that. We had a client in the other day and we were able, we had some loans in their financial plan and they were like, oh, well, actually all of those loans are now paid off. And we were like, yes, that's so exciting. We were able to take them out of their plan and just clean it all up. And it just looks so good. There was no liability number for them in their net worth statement. We're like, wow, that's awesome. It's got to feel good. Yeah, I think they had a mortgage left, right? And that's it. Yeah, And it was really low interest rate mortgage. Yeah, yeah, sorry. They did have a mortgage, but Uh, just- Car loan's done, student loan's gone. (laughs) Yeah, so I totally get the feeling, but yeah, don't chase it too hard because you got to save and put away. So, and that- kind of leads into, you know, what what after that? There's a couple of options. I would say look into 
a Roth IRA. But I would say look into a Roth IRA that's after tax money. So you put it in and it grows tax-free. And you can use that in retirement. And the amount you can put in this year is 6500 So it's not a ton of money. I guess depending on who you are, it might be. But um, it's definitely a, another way you can stock away for retirement. Mm-hmm. The rule of thumb is that you should be saving 15 to 20% for retirement. So a Roth IRA could be, uh, is a retirement account, your 401k is a retirement account. Um, you can have other types of retirement accounts. Maybe we should have a episode on retirement accounts. <laughs> um, but an HSA could, like we're using our HSA as a retirement account. You go back and listen to our HSA episode about that. Um, and this is actually, it goes again, the behavioral things is I am surprised at how many people are waiting for milestones in their lives to happen before they will be financially healthy. So I was single until my th- 30s. And so I hung out with a lot of single people who had like careers and were building their finances and like, you know, making money finally. <laughs> and I was surprised at how many people were like, well, I can't buy a home till I'm married. And I'm like, well, you're not building equity then. Or I remember talking to one friend and she said, I just have always felt like I don't need to become financially responsible or financially savvy until I have a family, like a husband and kids. And then, and then we'll get it together. And then, you know, my husband will take care of it or tell me what to do. She's like, all of a sudden I realized that I need to be taking control of it and I'm getting later in life and I really should be working on it. And then couples I meet with all the time, I'm surprised at how many people are like, well, we can't start saving for retirement until the house is paid off or the cars are paid off or we got the kids college going or something. And they're always waiting for something else to happen. And then before you know it, they're not saving anything for retirement and they're way, way behind. And I tell, have to tell them they can't retire until they're 70. <laughs> yeah, not a favorite conversation. And I feel like we're talking about this all the time with clients is sometimes it feels a little overwhelming to even start saving money and putting it away. But you just start somewhere. I don't even care how small it is. The habit is what we're going for of not spending everything in your account or not putting a mental roadblock in your mind. Like, oh, you know, once X, Y, or Z happens, then I'll save for retirement. If you can get in the habit of putting $100 away a month, if that's all you can do that is better than nothing. So I feel like we just have that discussion frequently of, you know, it's better than nothing, especially if you're late or waiting for something to happen. Uh, getting started is is the best place to start. So. Yeah, and quit waiting. Quit waiting. Just do it. Because even, yeah, like you said, even if it's $100 a month into a Roth IRA, great. That's, you're starting somewhere. And, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you, because I'm a big finance person too. And so at the end of every year, we usually do like a recap of here's how much money we made. And here's like, we kind of try and decide where it goes. And I can't believe how like, wow, we made this much money. Where did it all go? (laughs) Yeah. And it's so nice to be able to say, well, look how much money we saved this year. Look at our accounts, how much they grew this year. It's like, oh, all that hard work I did this year and all that money I earned, it didn't just go away. It's still somewhere. And I don't know if you feel this way, but I feel like my checking account is just use it or lose it. Like it is gone. And so 
if it's not taken out from that account and put somewhere else, like I, I don't know. I don't know if we mean to, or if it's just like a mental thing when you see your checking account, but I feel like the money just gets used. Like I don't see it sitting in there very often. I think after you get the match, the next place is either an HSA or retirement account to be saving in. And this is where a financial advisor can really help you decide like for your situation, what should you be doing? Or are there other debts you really want to get paid off that you should be focusing on? But I do think after you get the match and if you don't have high interest debt, like we talked about, these saving behaviors really encourage you to be saving more. They help you have a feeling of abundance and really take control of your finance and not just be in debt payoff mode or survival mode. You can, you know, start to build your wealth and see it building. And it feels really good and it really encourages you to do more. Yes. And that being said too, this will just kind of make you take a look at what you're spending and see like, you know, what changes can I make in order to reach my savings goals? And I think Nicole mentioned it, but we'd say, you know, around 15 to 20% of your monthly income is the goal. But I mean, the sooner you start, the better. If the longer you wait, the higher that percentage is going to need to be. Because if you start at 60 saving for retirement, then you're going to need to save a bit more because it's not going to have as much time to grow. That growth takes time, takes years. So yeah. 15, 20% is if you're starting in your 30s. Yeah. If you're starting even younger than that, just think of this, your percentage could go down, which is nice. Yeah. So the, the sooner, the better. Um, start today if you can. That would be my recommendation. College planning. Oh, yes. I. So this is my opinion. Maybe it's a little controversial. Is but College planning is last. Like for your kids. Yes. Like paying for college for your kids. <laughs> you should be funding your retirement before you ever pay start um, saving money for your kids' college. And I often see it reversed where people are like, well, I got to get my kids college because that's going to happen before my retirement. Well, most kids can get scholarships. Well, I don't like how I said that. <laughs> most kids can get scholarships. <laughs> kids can get scholarships. Most kids can get loans and for their, or they can work part-time or they can go to a cheaper college or they can pay off their own loans. I just think that there's so many options for kids to pay for their own college. It's so nice when parents will help, especially when you're a really high income person and your kids aren't going to qualify for like some financial aid or FAFSA. Then I do think it's really nice to support them and help, help them, them in some ways, um, at least a little bit. Um, but I don't think that people should sacrifice their own retirement, their own financial health to pay for their kids' college. Yeah, I know that you want to take care of your kids and you want to give, set them up for the best life. I don't know that college is always the best way to do it. Like sometimes it's good to teach your kids to pay for their own college or come up with their own funding methods mm -hmm. and have that discussion with them. That's a good way to teach them yeah. some good money habits. Or just to having that discussion too of, you know, maybe we'll pay for this or I'll pay for this for you and then you can cover these expenses. I think it you know, you don't have to feel obliged if you really want to, but you don't have to feel obliged to pay for everything they want to do in college. It's expensive. Uh, I remember my roommate in college, She, her parents paid for her rent and she covered her food and her gas and things like that. So there's so many ways you can take care of the college payments. But I think too, another point is, you know, where, where should you be putting that money? What's the What's the best way to do that? And it kind of depends on how old your kids are. 
I'd say if your kids are younger, a good option is a 529 plan. So you put the money in there, you get a tax deduction, and then it grows tax-free. And then, well, I guess you can get a tax deduction depending on what state you live in. State tax deduction. The state we live in, you get a tax deduction, and it's not very big. But the money does grow tax-free. So it's an investment account. Put it in there, grows... And then you can use it on qualified education expenses. You can pay it directly to the school. You can pay their rent. You can pay their food with um, the funds from that account. I would say that's really optimal for somebody younger who has a while until college starts. Um, If they're 18 right now and starting college next year, a 529 could be an advantage. It kind of depends, but it's not going to have as much time to grow. So mm-hmm. just kind of keep that in mind as you're thinking about best ways to handle it. Maybe just a savings account or something, checking account, or kind of depends. Maybe the later years of college, you could get some growth. But as in terms of next year, they're starting college, you're not going to be able to get a ton of growth on that money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you just come up with a plan of how much you want to do for your kids. But before you do that, make sure you're doing your own 15% to your retirement and yeah. well or more if you got started later. And make sure your emergency fund is set up and high interest debt is paid down before you ever look at that. Uh, personally for me, like I would way rather my parents take care of themselves first and then help me cuz I I, I don't want to take care of my parents when they're older. <laughs> yes, and good good point. I shouldn't say it like that. <laughs> I would happily physically take care of them or emotionally be there for them. But financially, I would rather that they take care of themselves than pay for stuff for me. Sure. And I think you bring up a good point, which is paying for your kid's college does not count as your retirement savings. Yeah. <laughs> it feels good to save for it, but that's just a gift and an extra thing that you're doing for your, your kids. Mm-hmm. So... Just keep that in mind. That doesn't really count in that 15 to 20%. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and then I say after college, you can save for other goals. Um, you could do, and this gets into complicated where to save, like, and we should do a whole different podcast on this of like what different types of accounts can you have. Um, you can have charitable accounts. You can have a regular investment account. You can access before you're 60. Mm-hmm. Where most retirement accounts, you have to wait till after 60 to use the money. Um, you could be investing in real estate if that's important to you. There's so many other things you can do. And once you've kind of hit you know, your first milestones of emergency fund debt paid off and match, employer match and a 401k, get 15% retirement, then you can really start to pursue a lot of other goals. And I see that with people, how fulfilling it is for them to maybe do some charitable giving or to be able to save for um, a big, like I, there's one uh, client we have who she wants to take her whole family on a Disney cruise and there's like 30 something people in her family. And it's like a big goal for her. And um, she's really excited about saving for that. And it's fun to watch her save for it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's like a few years out and she has plenty of time. So goals like that, you know, that you can start to add on the fun dreams of what you want to do. Yes, I agree. So there's tons of options, little things you can do. I know something, I, I'm young, but there's things that I want to do in my future. I want to be able to travel. And if I put money into a retirement account, I can't access that for the most part before the age of 60, like Nicole mentioned. And so we'll need to save for that goal outside of retirement accounts as an example. And I'm looking forward to that. Like I said, I'm, we've already are trying to travel this year, but hopefully in the future, even before we're, we are retired, I hope to go more places. So 
that's a goal I have that I'm excited about. But like we've mentioned, first emergency fund, 401k with a match, HSA, high interest debt, all those come first um, before before my travels. So, or anyone's travels really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just think this goes back to just, you build a good foundation and then once you have a good foundation, you can build so many things on top of it. And, um, you start to do some really great things with your financial life once you get everything in order. And I think a little bit of sacrifice up front, like, you know, work a little overtime or do a little side job or, you know, stick with a budget allows you later in life to have a lot more freedom, a lot more help and, and planning, you know, doing some good planning up front. Of, yeah. You know, it might take a few, few years to get your debt paid down. It might get it, take a few years to get to the 15%, but create a plan of how you're going to get there. Yeah. And I think too, this is another topic for another day, but I'll just touch on is know what you want. I think that's something that's hard to do sometimes, especially for people in transition, someone who's lost their husband. And maybe it's just, what do you want this year or next year? Maybe it's a shorter term. I I have a sister-in-law and she's not married and um, she's getting around, she's around the age of 30 and she's just kind of at this point in her life, like, well, what do I do? Do I wait until, you know, I'm married and have a family or do I pursue my career and my financial goals? And I'm like, pursue your career and your financial goals. What do you want to do with your life? And I think that can be really hard for people in those kind of transitionary states, but it will help you with your savings goals. If you kind of know like, hey, I want to travel and I want to spend this much money and this is who I want to travel with. Even if it's just something small like that, it will help you get the boost you need to start saving. So that's, that's just a little side note. Mm-hmm. Kind of make some goals of what you, what you want. Yeah. And you know, this podcast was a lot more targeted to people who have income yeah. and how you should be saving. It's different if you got a big chunk of money from like life insurance or inheritance of, you know, you kind of follow the same priority list though of paying down debt and then funding your retirement and then your kid's college. There can be a similar kind of structure to that as well. It just... Now, how much should you put in retirement? It's not necessarily 15%. It's, well, you probably should be the financial advisor and, and or run some of your own numbers and mm-hmm, make decide a plan, yeah. and where to put it for taxes and all that messy stuff. Yeah, because a windfall like that isn't as common. But yeah, if you've lost someone or you had some life insurance proceeds, it's going to look a little different. Well, this was kind of a muddy podcast, I feel like, because... <laughs> everybody's life is different and but learning some good principles can help you decide what to do that's best for yourself yeah and i've learned we're passionate about this we have a lot of stories to tell so hopefully you were able to follow along with what we were trying to get at but i think saving for the future is super important that's why we're passionate about it and figuring out how to even start is this is a good podcast to listen to if that's what you want to do And um, just keep in mind that all stories we told were for illustrative purposes only and all names and details were changed to keep people anonymous and private. And um, for every situation, you should consult with an advisor on what to do is best for you. 